Welcome back to the CB Fro podcast. Excited to welcome back to the show Mount St. Joe football coach Tyler Hopperton. He is not only my favorite football coach, but hopefully he is yours as well, coach. How in the world are you? And what have you been up to? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing well. You look well. Thanks. You haven't aged a day since last summer. <laughs> I appreciate it. I feel like I've aged a lot of days since then. Yeah. Uh, you just we're just talking about you just bought a house. Yeah. Uh, first time home buyer now. Um, all grown up. I, I know. Getting, Is it near the family farm? It was not actually. Oh. I've I've moved to the city. I'm a city folk now. Um, so I know big time stuff going on. Coach just celebrated his 32nd birthday on Tuesday, and his prize, and the present from his wife, was he got the pool weeds. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps me active. I got to get get some stuff done. The honey do list is. Got to chip away before football camp starts. So. Yeah. When? It, uh, where did you guys buy a house at? In um, Park Hills. Oh, nice. Yeah. Moving on up. I know. Big time stuff going on. Well, you know, you almost had to with driving, trying to drive the bridge. You <laughs> get, get as, as close, close as, as you I can. can. <laughs> yes. Get as close as I can. Just swim over. It's getting pretty close to yeah. that. Summer going well? Yeah, it's going well. Um, you know, we've been able to take some time with the family and, you know, turn it around. We had a spring season this year, and so – it's just been an interesting summer. It's just been another one-of-a-kind summer mm -hmm. where I was hoping last year was kind of the end of it where that transition this year has been been interesting. But it's it's been good. You know, we're able to host camps and go to camps, and so there's definitely some normalcy this summer, but it, it's been good. How was your prospect camp? I saw you had two. Yeah. June, um, one in June, one in July. Yeah, really good. You know, I, I really obviously I'm biased to how we run our camps, but I really like our camps. They're really targeted, too. It's, you know, guys that we're legitimately looking at and have watched their film, invited them to camp, not just, you know, a big money grabber and, and guys we're really looking at. And, you know, we really showcase how we coach and what we do. So guys mm -hmm. can also kind of look at us in that way, you know, not just us looking at them. You know, we're really fortunate to have so many schools in this area. And what I mean by areas locally, the tri-state Cincinnati, um, you know, greater, well, greater Cincinnati area, tri-state. Uh, you're able to pull. Uh, I don't know how many schools, like in, in your conference or around, they have that ability to pull kids from those like that. Yeah, uh, we we deem about 120 football teams as local schools in our recruiting process, and that's usually about an hour ish away. So that doesn't necessarily include Lexington or Dayton, but basically everything in between and um, a little bit east and west of there. And so we're definitely fortunate that. You know, in a day we can get out and see people play and practice, and the same for them. It's easy to come visit and check us out. We're also fortunate to have good players at those schools, but they're also well coached. Right, football's really good around this area. It really is, and 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 you can see that as you go around. And that's one of the coolest parts about being a college coach is having that perspective and being able to go see so and so practice, and the next yeah. day go to another one and kind of compare and you know see what kind of coaching's out there, and um, not only to judge recruiting, but also, you know, ourselves. And, and we definitely can kind of use what we see um, at local high schools, to, you know, to help what we do. Are you in full football mode yet? Do you, Not are you yet. starting to feel it? Okay. I'm, I'm a, I'm a light switch guy. Mm -hmm. I've always been that way as, as a, um, even when I was young to now where um, I'm all in when I'm doing something. So sometimes I have to wait to turn the switch. So I haven't turned the football switch just yet. Clinging on the summer a little bit as well as just some of the planning stuff, but not full football mode yet. 
but we'll have you know almost 140 guys starting next week, and so that's I'll when they to, report I'll have next to week. Flip yeah. the switch then. So, where do kids stay? Do they rent apartments, or and we may um, have talked about this last summer? But is there housing and stuff for them? Yeah, so we have dorms, and that ranges of what percentage lives. You know, as a as a university, our um, you know, we're really a commuter school yeah. just based on our location, right? I just mentioned yeah. and how I looked many through the roster, are, a lot of kids commute probably, right? And some will surprise you. We have one that lives on the same road that lives in the dorms. But he, um, you know, if we have 120 kids on the team, usually about 80 or 90 probably live on campus. It's a lot of our freshmen and sophomores. And then they'll move off. And um, there's apartments near campus. You know, in the west side in Delhi, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, neighborhoods, ton of housing. Over there. There's I love a billion it over there. houses over there. I so. worked over there for four years. I nice. love it. And everything is really close. There's so much they can do. It's got to help. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially compared to similar schools. I mean, I, I remember going on recruiting trips and coaches would always, com- you know, give you some kind of measurement of how far Walmart was away yeah. <laughs> at some of the schools I was at. One, I don't know that that really matters for anything, especially anymore. Yeah. Uh, but for us, I mean, you know, within 20 minutes, any restaurant or whatever you want, you know. And so it's definitely nice that um, – you know, even just right up on Delhi Avenue, a mile away is pretty much everything you yeah. can need. So, what we need to do is find a couple guys with some money and go in together, and we could get a, buy a bunch of those houses over there. You know, that may have been foreclosed <laughs> on, for it. and <laughs> we could flip them and we could just rent them to the. It'd be like, um, could be like Animal House or Revenge of the Nerds. You know, just uh, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your venture. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So, did you? Uh, I know the season got pushed back. Um, did you get to do anything in the spring with your with your team, or was it kind of more like a dead period for you guys, just training? Yeah. So, so last season in general was well, obviously unique for everybody, but especially with with small colleges. So, you know, the challenges for small colleges were even more difficult than high schools because of NCAA guidelines. So obviously we wait for those to come out. They usually come out about a week before you start, so you don't have enough time to plan. Uh, but the NCA last year basically mandated weekly testing for all sports. Where in high school you didn't have to test unless there were symptoms and that sort of thing, right? So for us, no matter what, every coach, every player, every trainer, once a week had to get a COVID test. And then regardless of symptoms, people would quarantine and all that kind of stuff that was across the board NCA wise so um so that made it very challenging especially like I said with the timing of it getting started so we didn't play last fall and then um the NCA gave us basically an allotment of days so we were given 100 100 some odd days to use for football so we did fall workouts we were able to have some padded practices we did an inter squad scrimmage right before thanksgiving we were able to do some football and you know some of our practices some guys were quarantined and yeah. guys were coming back we had to get creative but it was good to do something keep them engaged in the fall and then our conference played a, a seven game conference only schedule this spring first day of practice was february 1st and we finished april 17th so it was um I'm not envious of spring sport coaches. No, I'm, I'm not going to make that jump. It's one of the things. I, <laughs> yeah, one of the things I hate about coaching baseball is freezing my ass off for the first month of the year. Horrible. And, and I am particularly bitchy when it comes to being <laughs> cold or being wet in the combination of the both. I don't like it. Oh, coaching it is interesting. You know, it's um, and the weather's so erratic. You could have a you could have a February day where it's seventy degrees and you think spring is coming, and then two straight weeks of 
30 degrees, 40 degrees, and up on that hill, the wind, just, you know, I've <laughs> oh, been yeah. there. It just howls through we, there. We were really fortunate with our game day weather. Um, we had one rainy day. Other than that, it was all like 55 to 70 and sunny. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. But there were a couple games. There was one game in particular. Um, we missed practice because of snow and cold. And then that uh, Saturday, I got sunburnt, and it was like 70 degrees wow. and sunny. It was like a so, combination of sun and wind <laughs> yes. up there. So it was definitely uh, definitely an interesting year. Retention was really good, though, because I think some guys are just holding on for a normal season, yeah. kind of coming back. I want to talk but also, about that. we were really engaged all year. You know, it really challenged us as coaches to find creative ways to engage them, where next week we start camp, and I'm with them all day, every day for 15 weeks. Yeah. That's just how it works. Where last year it wasn't that way. And even if though we were able to have workouts, we couldn't meet before it, meet after it. They couldn't ride together. They couldn't use the locker room. I mean, and then during the fall and spring, you know, all the sports are doing the same thing. So especially in the spring, I think we had 18 or 19 sports going at once. So facilities, you know, if there was a weather delay, another team was behind you. You had to get creative and that sort of thing. So it really made us kind of get out of our comfort zone and engage. Um, so there were some good things that came out of it too, but it was definitely been a challenging year timing wise. I saw that the field house you guys had over there opened in the winter. Um, does that benefit your team? Yeah. Well, it did this year. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of unsure. I mean, it's an $18 million it's indoor track, I turf inside pictures. of it. Um, batting cages, new weight room, yoga room, locker rooms. It, it's beautiful. And they did a great job with branding and still smells like a new car and that sort of thing for, for a giant building. Um, the turf is about 40 by 50 yards. So I, I always thought, Hey, for walkthroughs and that sort of thing, you know, we don't, we don't play inside. So it, it's a better lightning spot than the gym that we've used in the past and things like that. But in reality, it's obviously for track and field. Um, but then also our other sports, you know, we talked about the spring sports. So now lacrosse and baseball, softball can use that turf when they start their practices in January, mm -hmm. you know, it's a nice space for them. But because we started practice on February 1st this, uh, this year, we were in there a whole heck of a lot. That's what I was wondering. And, and could really yeah. get a lot done in there. Yeah, you saying know? that you lost a day because of snow. And I thought, well, you could probably split up and you know do groups, right. maybe special teams and offense and then defense. You're not full team it. pass got a little hazy, and especially in college. I mean, our guys, you know, they cover a lot of ground. Um, but we could do quite a bit of stuff in there. I was I was a little surprised, and it was a, a little weird the first day we did full pads in there, and we're doing an inside run drill, and guys are, you know, beating and banging in there, and it was just interesting to be inside and have that where you know, obviously most schools at our level don't have that luxury. Sure. So that was definitely really nice. And then, you know, going forward, it's obviously a big part of our off-season program. Um, it's open to our guys and, and alumni and, and things too. But, you know, our guys can use it for, you know, they can get together and throw and work out and do some field work in there regardless of the weather or if somebody's using the other field and that sort of thing. So it, it's definitely, um, you know, football is able to take advantage of it probably better than I thought we'd be. And is, do you guys use the weight room in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's probably still more structured for faculty, staff, alumni. I think it's going to open up to the community. We only had one weight room before that. Now, our our weight room was just renovated like ten years ago. So you have so our your existing own. one, and okay. it's nice. Yeah. And um, as much know. as I'd love the brand new one in the new building, yeah. ours is really nice. I know everyone else is out of it. So, um, but it actually, you know, we we give we've given a lot of tours this summer to. Um, upcoming seniors and 
uh, alumni are all over that place. I've seen people I haven't seen in a long time, and they're using the weight room and running the track and stuff like that. So it's been nice to get people on campus through that too. Do you see that as a an advantage in recruiting? Absolutely. Especially certain alumni, you know, if they're around, it's a, a football guy that had success or has a really good job. It's really nice as part of the tour. But even if it's not football people, I think it's really nice, especially for parents to see that long term, you know, hey, there's still people that are connected to yeah. this place. And it's an investment, too. Yeah, for sure. I was looking through, you had mentioned retention, looking through your website, uh, prepping for the show and saw that Coach Thompson, who was at Boone County, Boone County guy, was not only the defensive coordinator, but also the retention specialist. And, you know, is retaining t- kids, is it difficult? It's very difficult. It's very difficult for, for a lot of reasons and, and mostly uncontrollable, normal reasons. I mean, even if you think non-football, if you just know all the people you went to school with, you know, people go and transfer and change and go get jobs or start college later on. I mean, everybody has all kinds of different paths that they take. And so, we deal with that in a super small way, right? That there's one or two years that we're trying to figure it out with these guys um, as they're trying to figure their life out. So sometimes it's just natural reasons that they want a different type of school, a change of major. Maybe they don't want to go to college anymore. Maybe they don't want to play football anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Gone through some injuries. Yeah. Could be a whole different thing. So when I became full-time at the Mount, our retention rate for the football team was not good. And and a lot of it, things were just kind of aimless at the time. Um, we kind of let things up for chance. To me, a lot of the retention is recruiting. So you talk about those things on the front end. You control your message. You let them know what's going to be expected of them, what they're going to be held accountable to, what it's going to be like. That way they don't show up and it's like, hey, this guy just talked me to come here and it's totally different. And this coach is totally different than the guy he was on the visit, right? So we give our own tours as coaches so we get to know them as well. Because if admissions given the tour, I only know his film. I talk to him about football only. I'm not going to know a bunch about the guy. Yeah. Um, I'm big on body language and talking to people, seeing people. So when I'm talking about study tables, when I'm talking about how hard it's going to be, and you know when I'm going to call you because you know you miss practice, you know in the morning during the season and that sort of thing, I, I tell you that, and I'm going to see if you're going to wince. You know, if the first thing out of your mouth is what number you can be or something like that, it's not going to work. I can tell you right now, the personality thing's not going to work. So with retention, it's also, you know, making sure that we're connecting them to resources. And if if the resources they need don't exist, we have to create them. You have to get creative. And and high school coaches are used to that. There's definitely things in each building that you can use to your advantage. Sometimes that you don't know that's available or there's people that can help you that you don't know are interested in helping you. So that's what I try to do. I I turn rocks over and stones over, talk to people, find out who can help us, who can't help us, or I should say won't help us. Um, But, but I had to get creative, um, you know, to help that retention. So one of the big things was study tables. We've always had a learning center that provides um, tutoring to all of our students for every class we offer but they have to go there. Yeah. And and I know even just personally, it's hard to ask for help. It's it's just for men in general, it's hard to ask for help, and especially young men. And so we just try to make everything more accessible. So by just doing a football study tables, you know, our football retention rate went from 44% to 88%. And that was study tables, plus changing our messaging. You know, you're getting guys in that are expecting to do those sort of things um, and doubled within two years. 
And so a lot of it was just being intentional. So it's hovered around that mark. We've been above 90. It's gotten down, you know, to 80. But, you know, for as many guys as we recruit and talk to and for a small school, it's pretty good. And, you know, we last year we had a good amount of guys, too, who graduated who maybe quit football but still graduated school. So we're at least finding the guys who really like the Mount, want that four- to five-year degree, and um, and are working for it. So – after I started that, they saw that success. And so, you know, now part of uh, Rick's job is kind of wrangling the athletic department and mostly freshmen and getting them organized. And, you know, the main thing they asked him when he was interviewing for that part of the job was, you know, can you wrangle students? You know, mainly we just need to go find them yeah. and connect them. And, you know, you know, Rick well, I, well enough well, I was to just know say, that's what he is, buddy. Yeah, I He'll have find two, you. two parts for that. You have one, number one, you've got a guy who spent his entire adult life and teaching and coaching Correct. after he was finished, you know, in high school and college and everything else. Correct. So he understands kids. Yes. He also understands he's got children of his own. So he can probably see when kids are maybe withdrawing a little bit. Right. So it's nice that you have somebody with so much experience, especially as a head coach and it's a college head coach, somebody that you can trust. Hey, Rick's got this. I know that he's going to do his thing. And you had mentioned like the study groups. I would venture to say that on top of that, helping the retention rate, it was obviously helping the academic overall academic success yes. for the kids in that program. Cause a lot of it too, that I saw, there was almost no grade correlation to guys that weren't making it academically. You know, some of the guys that maybe had red flags coming in. They barely got into the school. We maybe kind of had a chance, but for the most part, it was just application. It was guys going to class and turning something in when it was due. That that at least keeps you at water level, right? Keeps your mouth, your head above water. And most of it's guys, they're on their own. They're getting tired with football. You know, it's their first time away from mom and dad. They're not bugging them about their homework. They get a little freedom. You know, there's not somebody, they're not begging you to turn your work in. They tell you when it's due and you either do it or you don't. You know, it's not this coach sitting there with a whistle and a stopwatch waiting for you to hit the line. Like, they'll tell you when it's due. You just got to do it. So it's mandatory for all of our freshmen to have study tables in that first semester. And all we want to do is put you on the right track. Everybody's going to do it different. We have guys that do, you know, submit papers at 3 a.m., guys that submit it at 9 a.m., guys that are two weeks ahead, guys that do it barely before. But we just need to put you on your track, whatever that is, to be academically successful. So part of that study tables, you know, we don't necessarily just throw them in a room. Uh, peer tutors from the learning center come in and work with them so they know, hey, the math tutor's there on Thursday nights. So I'm going to go on Thursday night and get a little help. If they need more help, there's people there that can connect them to other resources. Mm -hmm. And then as upperclassmen too, you know, that process also helps that our guys can always come to us with those types of questions because they know we're involved in it. They see our coaching staff and not just Coach Thompson at study tables and around. It's what we talk about on our tours. So especially as sophomores, juniors, seniors, they come to us now about the Career Center, you know, about internships, about, you know, other things, not just like how to do homework and yeah. those sort of things. So it's definitely helped us. Um, and, and then our upperclassmen build into those young guys. It, it's just other – there's now just more time and structure – for others to build in too, not just Coach Thompson and not mm -hmm. just the tutors, but that's just kind of what we do. Just like starting a weight room program or certain practice program, like it just builds off of that. So it's been cool to see that grow over the last couple of years. You could tell that you have a passion for that, and some of that probably comes from being a three-time All-Conference Scholar <laughs> Athlete and the you know National Football Foundation Scholar Athlete. 
got to do the work. Yeah, I mean, if, if you even, say you're going to do something, even though it's hard, and you know, you've got to manage your time, stuff like that. Right. You, as the head coach and somebody who's really smart and has been there and done that, um, even though you're a local kid, it probably helped you a little bit, a lot more. You know, being part of the group and be a part of the team. Right. So, you know, if, if you don't want to do homework, don't go to school. You don't have to go to college. That's what I was trying to tell guys. You don't have to go to college. And that's not right or wrong. There's people that are wildly successful that don't go to college. There's people that can do their own path, meet their own goals, have the life that they dream of without going to college. There's so much pressure with going to college. Obviously, I'm a college coach, so I'm trying to find people to go to college. And, you know, unfortunately, I think there's just so much pressure put around that next step after high school, whatever that is, that so many guys are forced into it. So that's what's hard with retention, too, is some guys just think that's what they're going to do. All their siblings did it. Their parents did it. All their friends are doing it. So, hey, I'm going to go play football and go to school. And you realize, hey, I kind of like the football part, but maybe the school ain't for me. Or the opposite. So, you know, that's part of it, too, that some of it's natural you know, some of that retention stuff, there's just natural hurdles that people figure things out or injuries happen or certain things happen. Um, but that's why we try to have those types of conversations in the recruiting process. And it really helps us get our type of guy. You know, there's a lot of good football out there, a lot of good schools out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a guy that fits at Thomas Moore or Wittenberg necessarily fits with us and vice versa, um, just because of the environment. So mm-hmm. that's what we really try to sell is, um, you know, you get to choose your environment, whatever that is. In high school, you don't always choose that. Sometimes you do. But now, as a young man graduating, you get to choose what environment you want to shape you over the next four or five years. So we really just try to showcase that as well as really build into our environment to make sure it's one that really good students and really good athletes are attracted to. Yeah. I have a lot of pride in the academic success of our program. I think this year we had, out of 20 kids in a JV 19, 20 kids in the JV varsity roster. We had 15 all-state academic kids. Nice. Incredible. I mean, you could coach AU ball, right? You don't really have to think about it. No. <laughs> and that's kind of for I me. Did. Like, fine, just don't be a college. I mean, yeah. figure something out. Go coach, you know, I football think somewhere of, else. On, on my end, having um, come from, a, obviously, a different generation than these kids and and – I consider generations like maybe a 10, 15, 20 year gap. So in the nineties, it was more of a, Hey, just get there, get through, get in. The big thing then was, well, you know, that ACT score gets you in. There was no talk of, Oh, that's going to, you know, but this level is going to get you scholarship money or this GPA plus that ACT score is going to get you this or that. Those discussions were not happening. And in the last, I would say 20 years, you can see the evolution of that. One of the things since I started coaching high school basketball, um, you know, I check grades. I mean, when I get that grade report, I break it down. And if a kid has a C or a D, I'm calling a parent. Right. Well, the D, he's gonna, they're gonna meet with me. I just don't play with it. Only because the the message I send to them is this grade, every grade that in in these trimesters is money towards college. Now, some of these kids, you had mentioned this before. Some of them have said, look, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to college. I, might, I just want to go to Gateway and be, you know, get educated in that and then go start my work. Right. Fine. Nothing wrong with that. But while you're here, you're going to do your work. If you're going to play right. in a basketball program, <laughs> there is a difference, right? We're yes. not just going to skirt by. Um, and I understand that kids struggle. But this is a public school. There are more resources for help right. in this building alone than, you know, 
any of the private schools, I would imagine. Um, There's a specialist for everything. There, there is. <laughs> Some certification, somebody that's trained right. to, to help and in every way. We have a lot of kids that do dual credits, so they're getting college credit right now. I mean, just the advantages now as opposed to when I was in, uh, in high school and maybe even when you were in high school, are, they're so different right now. There's just no excuse. And I'm sorry, there's just no excuse to get a crap grade in a public high school. I'm sorry, <laughs> there's not. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, obviously the, you know, F Fort Mitchell or Beachwood Independent and uh, Fort Thomas Independent. The, the academic success has been great there. But there's good educations in these county school districts as well. As, and, you know, we talked to last year when we had you on. Uh, we packed up the stuff and went down the street to, to Ludlow and talked to their superintendent that afternoon. The, the academic success within that district has been incredible. Right. So there's no excuse. Same thing with you. You are now providing, and, and as a parent, which I'm not, but if I had a child and my son was going to go play football for you, I would walk out of there knowing that, okay, we're good because there is this type of energy being pushed towards that. I think that's a selling point. That's just the way that I look at it. Um, sure, you could probably have some of those meathead parents that are like, <laughs> uh, my boy's a quarterback. He needs to wear four. You we, know, I, I get it. We definitely, it, you yeah, know. You, you see everything when I you get meet it. that many people. but And then, dri you know, <laughs> drives down the driveway and fires up a heater and drinks a perhaps blue ribbon. But, yeah. you know, let's I be real. once a week. Probably. Yeah, okay. We, we live in a time now where the emphasis is on college this college that and i understand that look i did not finish college i had enough to get by and get right. to do what i need to do now there are many days that i wish that i would have but i was done we really just try to show that and i mean we could especially being in cincinnati you know we could put up a, a smoke machine and all this this flash and all this crazy stuff and we have nice things we just talked about the new 20 million dollar building right I don't have to talk about that much. I just walk them through it. And they're yeah. like, oh, wow, they really care about athletics here. When you really see all of our facilities, you can tell that we take that serious. Agreed. We've won ch championships, not just in football, but in other sports recently, too. You know, we, we just came off a five and one season. We've had one losing season in, in the last 17 years. Like we play good football and we'll continue to play good football. We're going to play better football by getting people that really understand what it means to be a division three college student athlete. Mm -hmm. And the more of that shared focus and shared vision we have, the better we'll be on the field. But it's usually talking about the off the field stuff that makes sure. I, we usually lead with you need to be passionate about football. You need to love football to make it work here. I, I can promise you that. And and I can't tell you if you love football or not. I can't. But all this other stuff, I can tell you what it really takes to be a good student athlete. The football part, you can figure it out. And a lot of times we'll see that. But it's really if you really want a degree, if you know that's what you want to do because of a career you're certain about or that you just want one in general, great, let's do it. And let's, let's win as many football games as possible because we're going to do that the right way. And a lot of times for young men, you know, we, we talk to 17, 18-year-old guys all the time. I mean, that's all I do basically. So in recruiting, I was telling them, your GPA, not only can it get you money or not, but to me, it's a direct ref reflection. It's a percentage of you doing what you've been asked to do. Now, some of these GPAs are wild. I see numbers that are crazy, but ultimately a, <laughs> a 4.0, okay, means that you're doing exactly what's asked and turning in exactly when it was supposed to be turned in. You, you've done exactly what was asked of you 
and when. And, and that's life. That's work. Like I have to do certain things at a certain time. I, I have to feed my daughter at a certain time. I have to, you know, work-wise. There's certain things I have to turn in at a certain time to be compliant. There's just things you have to do in any job like that. So if you have, you know, a, a high three-point GPA, then you're mostly doing that. Okay, maybe there's certain subjects that it's a little more challenging for you. But if you have a 3.8 GPA, that means most of the time you're doing exactly what's asked. And then you're really trying at the things that maybe even you struggle with a little bit, or maybe there's a little lapse of, of concentration or follow through or something, but most of the time you're doing it. Um, and if, you know, if you're 2.5 C's and B's even, and that doesn't seem, seem that bad when you say B's and C's, but if it's a, a 2.5 GPA, when you really compare that to the 4.0 and what they're doing, yeah. that means most of the time you're maybe... <laughs> do you think that you know? Do you lukewarm? think some of that correlates to their coachability as well? Absolutely, and that's what we always say too. Okay, if you're a two point five, maybe you're really talented, but you're probably missing certain assignments. You're showing up late to practice. Maybe you're taking a drill off. You're doing all this, and if there's not that direct correlation, then one, maybe college or academics isn't for you, or two you know, you're the type of person that has to get motivated to do certain things. And that's fine. And that that's part of our, you know, everybody, even myself, I mean, everybody needs a kick in the butt sometimes. Mm -hmm. I get that. I, I don't necessarily reference that, but I can't fire you up every day to come out and go to class or, or go hard in practice or do what you're asked. So that, that GPA does really tell you a lot. Mm -hmm. And especially when you combine it to test scores, I'm not necessarily huge on test scores. But I'm if, not either. But if I you have like a low it. GPA and a high test score, yeah. that's even more alarming to me where it's like, okay, you're obviously very capable of achieving high grades because you have a 28 ACT, but then you have a 2.4 GPA. So you're somebody, maybe you're bored, maybe you're not motivated and that's fine. But you know, ultimately you're going to school to get these grades. You got to do the work. There's teachers asking you to do certain things. And um, like I said, that doesn't change when you get older. If anything, it gets worse. So, you know, really train yourself as a young person. You know, it doesn't just mean scholarship money, but it's really a resume. That number can really show a lot about um, your character and ultimately your work ethic. I would love to see institutions move away from this, the, the ACT score. Not a big fan of it. And the only reason I say that is, having worked with some of the smartest kids that I've ever been around in my life in the last five, six, seven years. And they struggle. Some of them struggle with that, <clears throat> which is why they have classes. You know, people right. run these classes that to, to get them better. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, we had a kid that just left here. I mean, GPA, incredible. I mean, his, the life of his academic career, you could just see A's straight through the board, right? And but he struggled with the ACT, and I don't think that it's a fair representation of his potential and the right. value that he could bring to the university. It's just a student, obviously. Um, so for me personally, I would love to see there be some sort of change. And I really felt last year when everything was shut down in the ACT scores from that February, I think it was the February test. They were just delayed. A lot of kids, kids, because they were shut down. Everybody, right. they weren't grading anything. I thought that may be the opening to introduce. And, and we're test optional, and essentially every school had to last year because there was just a lot of students that couldn't take it because mm -hmm. they 
you know, they just couldn't couldn't go in person or so. Mount St. Joe is test optional. Yep, and we still are this year, and a lot of schools are good. And so it could still help with your aid. You know, if it's a better if if it'll help your GPA and get better aid, they'll encourage you to do it. But mm-hmm. it, we are test optional. But to me, tests and and I agree with you. To me, tests are more like combine numbers. So great. You have a 30 ACT. Yeah. So you you ran a good 40 and yeah. you, you had good, you know, all the measurables are there. But the GPA is the film. The GPA is the actual, like, play, right? So when they pair up, great. Oh, you're a 4.0 and a 30 ACT? Like, you're really smart and you really work hard at your academics, mm-hmm. right? And, and But you just mentioned, okay, you have a near 4.0 or 4.0 and a 20 ACT. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a good student. Right, you're yeah. you're still a good student. You're still did the same 4.0 as the guy that had a 30 ACT, and we see that a lot, obviously, at Division three in terms of play too. Okay, this guy he's a little short, maybe a little slow, a little you know, just compared to getting some of that big money, but he can really play football. So if we just focus on the other schools that are interested on him, or offers he does have or doesn't have. You know, it's it's different than if we really just evaluate if he can play football for us or not. Mm-hmm. And and um, but I've always kind of used that comparison between test scores and the GPA that if they match, then it can mean a lot. Yeah. You know, and that's the guys that are getting the big FBS offers, right? Or the ones that have really good film and really good measurables. Mm-hmm. It both's there, so they're willing to invest in that. So, um, but there's has been a lot of weight. But this year, most schools have gone test optional, and I think a lot are going to kind of stick with it good. because I, I think you're still getting yeah. in quality. Students And we've always done that where, you know, our admissions process, they look at specific classes, you know, uh, okay, you might have a 2.5, but you went to, um, you know, Beachwood or Wyoming or some of these high schools and and you took advanced classes the whole time compared to, you know, maybe a guy who has a 3.8, but he never took an advanced level class at all. And and they both get accepted, right? But they really look critically at it. And, um, you know, I've always liked that. And um, I've never been somebody that's asked for a low GPA to get in, because like I said, to me, it tells me a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a 2 2, we're probably gonna have other problems too, other than you struggling and just in the classroom. Yeah. So officially, one month away from the opening game, the 4th, September 4th. Oh, opening yeah. Um, does that make you anxious? Like, does it make you like check? <laughs> I'm the anxious checklist? all the like, time. I think okay. uh, like, there's so much to do. The brain, yeah. It, a lot of it is you're just busy. Yeah, you don't really have time to worry about it. But mm-hmm. that's just kind of how my brain is. It's I'm as anxious about stuff in the summer or the off season as I am. You know, maybe not game day morning. I said it hits me a little different, but it is a tight turnaround. Like I said, in Division three, you got basically three, three weeks, weeks of practice. Um, with some off days thrown in there. Um, and so it's definitely a tight turnaround. But I kind of like it in a way that, one, it gives our guys good balance in the summer. You know, it's all non-mandatory type workout type stuff. And you you do get some some space and to do your own thing. You can do internships, co-op, stuff like that. I'd love to practice every day in the summer, obviously, as a coach. But it does allow us, like I mentioned earlier, to flip that switch. It's time. We play in three weeks we got to go or that's it, right? Like we're playing a really good varsity team from Albion and Michigan on the fourth. If we're not ready, it's going to show right away. They're big, they're strong, they're fast. You get a lot of guys from Detroit, good football in Michigan. It's a, a really good program. They've returned a really good quarterback. So let's let's start paying attention now. Let's start working now. Uh, but it's, it's definitely – I mean, you blink and, and it's here. It'll be game day and – 
um, with the work behind us. Are you happy with how the schedule came together? Yeah, this this is looks like a tough schedule. It is on on paper. We'll see when we show up to these games, but on paper, it's the toughest schedule since I've been at the Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, especially in non-conference. Usually, we've always had one non-conference that we have a pretty good idea. Like we're going to win this, you know. And a lot of times, we try to do that in the opener, right? Like, all right, it's a good team, but if we show up to our thing, we'll win and mm-hmm. kind of get rolling. But it, it's a tough schedule. The, you know, all three of those teams have won their conference in the last two years. Like I said, they're all big um, and strong. You know, we're usually pretty fast. We're not always the biggest. So, you know, we, I really tried to shape it this year. You know, if ultimately, if we win our conference, we, we get to go to the playoffs. And we just have to get better prepared, not only for our conference play, but for playoff opponents as well. Mm-hmm. And... You know, our guys won't play championship football. Great. We're going to on September 4th. We're not waiting all of a sudden the championship game in week 10, you know, because we've done that before. where We've had pretty good beginnings of the season, and then, you know, we're either injured, beat up, whatever, at the end of the year, and, and either can't finish or don't finish as strong as we think. So we're going to play playoff-type teams early on and find out what we got. And you get the first two weeks you're at home. Yeah, that's nice. Do you think – and I saw we get six home games and four – four road games, and you're really not traveling anywhere too terribly bad. It's not like you're driving to New York or Pennsylvania. Correct. It's Indiana and Ohio for the most part, right? Right. Do you think that helps your younger kids, your, especially your freshmen? Yes. They sleep in their own bed. They wake up. They go through their normal process. You know, you show up. It's a one thirty game. There's not much time to think. You know, one of the games is a noon kickoff. Most guys sleep past noon if I don't wake them up. So they're going to wake up and play football. And sometimes those long away games, even I think we have one overnight this year, but it's a lot of time to think and a lot of time to, to get distracted. And especially with a, a pretty young team, we kind of have an interesting mix this year yeah. that we have returning starters at a lot of spots. Some are young, but the depth is almost all young. There's not a lot of returning depth, if that makes sense. No, I saw it. Yeah. So, you know, what we have to play a lot of young guys early. If we just play our starters in those first three games, we're going to get beat up. I mean, they're tough teams. And if you just rely on 22 to 30 guys, they're not going to make it the whole season. So we got to find out who can play. And and that's why we have a couple scrimmages and we have um, some JV games early on in the season too to allow young guys to develop. Because obviously three weeks of camp is hard for them. They might even learn the playbook in three weeks. Um, it, it happens really fast, especially for the young guys. They're in a new bed and new food, new friends, new teammates, new coaches. Even if everything's positive, it's all different. So we have to build things for them to be able to develop because we're going to need them when conference starts in October. Do you have but, a feel about how the conference is, um, how the conference will be? Yeah, I think so. It, it's definitely getting deeper. Four teams, four of the eight teams have won conference in the last 15 years. So it's a little top heavy, but this year and the spring was obviously interesting in terms of there was cancellations or teams that made it work with positions that maybe they didn't have enough and that, but there was a couple, couple teams that kind of, you know, jumped, jumped up and, and bit kind of some of those top four. And so it's definitely getting deeper and retention is everything, you know? Yeah. And so there's some teams returning a lot of guys that played a lot of football. That was one of the best things about this spring because all of a sudden certain position groups quarantined or even just normal injuries and things. We played a ton of guys this spring. 
So we return a lot of guys that at least played, maybe didn't start, but played more than maybe they would just because some games we only traveled 60% of our team because we could. So, uh, but that, that experience, it's just hard to, there's no other way to, <laughs> to do that, right? If you, I mean, that's the whole idea of practice and designing practices. You want it as close to getting real experience as possible without getting hurt. That's why there's no way of getting that experience like playing. Yeah. And so there's some teams in our conference that return quite a bit too for the same reasons. Let's talk a little bit about last season real fast. Sure. Uh, you mentioned 5-1 and one record, mm-hmm. um, conference schedule. Was there a postseason for that last year? There was not. So in Division so. Three, they didn't sponsor a championship for football last year. Yeah. So the kids adjusted, though, for winter football. They, they figured it out. <laughs> they had to, yeah. yeah. Didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> you, I saw that you, you graduated the small senior class. So you said played a lot of kids, which is good, which also, like you said, helps with retention. Correct. Some of the kids getting some playing time. Like, well, I'm, of course I'm going back to the mount. Why would right. I not? Yeah. Um, did you feel that with restrictions and different things, uh, that team bonding was higher last year? Um they stayed together a lot more. Did you feel that? Like, we felt that in the high schools. It was a weird mix. It was a weird mix because, one, there were things that we just literally – we had to stagger when they could be in the locker room. And especially with weekly testing, we had to keep track of everything they did. So we separated a lot of guys because if if so-and-so O-lineman got it, yeah, the whole group. We had the damage, you know, damage control of who else went with them, right? So by structure, they weren't together at all. Now, I think through through all of the stuff they had to go through, all the adversity, it did build that. Because what I was about to say was we found out real quick who loved football. <laughs> that was my day one speech last year. Coaches included. Going through all this, it's all of a sudden a fall Friday, and we're out here running. And, and we're, you know, you're not playing tonight. Nothing, you're not playing yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. We're not playing. Actually, we don't even know when we're playing. No next. reward. It hasn't been yeah. decided. Like, I mean, that that first Saturday was super interesting, first off. And I can kind of go back to that. But, like, that first, and it was Labor Day weekend, and it's like not having a football game. I, I was so anxious. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, walking around like, I mean, what are we going to do? Go to brunch? Like, I'm supposed to have a football game, you know? But anyway, that first workout was like, we're going to find out who loves football, and we did. And so I think there were really guys that did build into each other and with each other on that, that, hey, through this, we're building our own thing that nobody else has done. And so I I think in weird ways, they connected more than I thought they would because, like I said, we were telling them the whole time to get apart, right? Wear your mask, get out, get the heck out of here, go outside. I know it's 10 degrees, but go. You know, and then we got to come back in because it's too cold. And so we were just spreading them out the whole time. But there were guys that had relationships or I'd see them outside of, of football stuff. And I'm like, they haven't even practiced together. And these two seem like they're good friends, you yeah. know. So they definitely, I think, found ways they had to get creative, too, in terms of, especially for our freshmen, there's a heck of a freshman year of college. It's hard anyway, right? And so it was really cool to see how resilient some of the guys were. Resilient was the word that I was going to use when you quit talking, whenever that was. But (laughs) yeah, they are so resilient, Yes, it's unbelievable. Last year was tough, really tough. And I'm really hopeful that we're not going back there, hopefully, fingers crossed. But but I agree. Our groups, we had had to split ours into groups just because we have so many kids and the groups like the group that I coached, the, the varsity group, man, thick as thieves. 
Yeah. And it was almost a godsend in a way because it reflected in their play and the way they practiced and competed against each other. Right. Changes your perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it does for them too. You know, I, I didn't really take much time to think about that because obviously we're dealing with our own changes as coaches. But they also looked at those opportunities different too. So, you know, I approach, I, I approach practices and games different because you were just glad to be able to go do it where you kind of take those for granted. And so I, I, I do think that you saw some different approach from all sides in terms of how you practice, how you play, and yeah. communicate. Do you learn anything about yourself last year through all that? A lot. A lot. Um, especially that first, like, you know, how we move in on Tuesday. That was really weird. August was weird because you're not home much. There's 100-something guys, and it's all football all the time, and you just forget how much you miss that. And not even just the fo- – I mean, football's fun. But just being around that group of guys and just how much you miss that and what they mean to you, and when you just see them, yeah. it's just different. Yeah. And and so we're all super excited for next week and just ready to get going. And, you know, there, there are – I mean, we have championship hopes this year. We have a really good team. But – Ultimately, I think we're all just ready to get back, get to work, and do what we all said we set out to do. But last year definitely really saw that that it really just proved that we're all in the right thing. Yeah. Guys that even were played and coaches, like, this is what I'm supposed to do because it's gone and I know I really miss it. Did it help you recruiting wise having that freedom in the schedule to get out during the high school season? Yes. Obviously, we're able to get out even more than usual on Fridays. And during the week, too, we're not game planning. So we had a really big class this year and a really good recruiting class. And we really – a lot of it's because we had <laughs> a lot of time on our hands yeah. to to do a really good job of recruiting and just being thorough with everything. Yeah, so. I, was, I was looking through the roster. I saw a lot of freshmen. lot. Lots and lots of freshmen. <laughs> well, I couldn't – I didn't also didn't know if it was – up to date because it said the 2021 season and i was thinking well it's probably a weird play. mix they're like yeah, yeah, adding yeah. it right okay. now so it's like yeah. so i was wondering also like um the, some of the kids well you know we had 14 we had 14 all-conference players last year and some of them were seniors i didn't know if that meant senior <laughs> senior that means they're gone or yeah. like how that worked right. with returning. yeah so the covid year is interesting too yes now 12 of those all-conference guys come back which is great and some were supposed to come back, some are just young. But luckily, once they kind of declared what eligibility would look like, we had enough guys who were in our four plus one MBA program, already going to be in master's program, maybe already there for that ninth semester, who just immediately told me, I'm back next year. And that obviously helped, especially certain guys where you're like getting a little nervous about them leaving. Um, so, yeah, like I said, only two all-conference guys that left, and then six total seniors that, that graduated and, you know, just move on and got to get a job and that sort of thing. And, and three of those guys were starters. Mm-hmm. So as you prepare for the upcoming season, a lot of positivities. What are you – you may have already answered this, but what are you looking forward to the most? Maybe the return of the routine? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the generic one. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to see, especially some of these younger guys – and this is the first, because last year would have been the first full year with my guys and, and in terms of last Being year's my coach. fourth year, yeah. correct. And so this is kind of, because last year was just so so crazy, this is kind of that year. So I'm really just excited at what that means. 
hopefully excited, right? Anxious <laughs> to see what that product yeah, looks like. Cause it's it. like, this is us now. I mean, it really has been, but it's, there's no excuses now. You can't cling on to, well, that guy, you know, it's like, They've all heard our message now for four and five years and really seeing those guys who have been a part of that and have built that we guide it, they build it. Right. So really just seeing what that looks like this year with a tough schedule, but also a lot of high hopes, a lot of really talented guys and ultimately a lot of really good guys Mm -hmm. um, and some good leaders. And we've, we've only had a handful of what I would say true leaders the last couple of years, not really any, a ton of bad eggs, but just no true leaders. And this year, I think last year built a lot of them of all shapes, sizes, and ages. So I'm really looking forward to those guys just kind of taking the reins and, and seeing what that team and, and our team looks like. It's amazing what adversity and opportunity will do right? when it comes to creating leaders. Absolutely. Especially in coaches as well. Yes. So, you know, and we had talked about the these young kids that have played. Are, are you a little um, – are you anticipating getting those kids that have given you so much last year, surprisingly maybe even some of them, um, seeing where <laughs> they've developed, it, what they've developed into and getting against some of these other kids, especially the incoming group, which you're really excited about. Right. Um, and I looked through some of the schools that they're coming from. They're coming from really good programs. Yeah. And, and all over. This year we'll have 30 kids on our roster from the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some Georgia kids in there. Yeah, Georgia. I saw the Florida. one kid from Gainesville, Georgia. That's a big football area. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and so that's, you, hold on. Do you get to like fly down there on the school, <laughs> school dime? And yeah, private jet. Private jet. And, <laughs> no, it's, I drive my Camry down there in the middle of the night and, you know, save on hotel costs and whatnot. Um, but, <laughs> but being in Cincinnati, we love football around here. So, yes. so. They do in East Tennessee too, I promise you. And uh, and even the Nashville area, we get a couple from the Memphis area. And in Georgia, they love football too. Yes. And it don't matter, um, you know, get them out here in Cincinnati, they realize we play football too, and, and so it works for us. But um, those guys who got a taste of playing time last year, I had my best offseason when I got a little bit of playing time the year before. You can really size it up. You know what it takes, not only who you have to beat out for a job, but also what the opponent looks like. And it's really focused. Where that first year or two, you're just like trying to be in shape. Like you don't even kind of know what it means. You're just like, I'm going to lift as good as I can and run and whatever. But it's very specific goals once you really know what you want. And that's like anything in life, right? If you really have that vision and you go and attack it. So I really think that that's going to be deeper this year because of how many guys played or started, whether it was, you know, on accident or by default or not, but the last experience game of the year, man. the last game of the yeah. year was interesting for us. We went up there. We Where'd were, you go? Uh, Manchester University. Is it's, that the game you won by two? Yes. You were up. Oh, you, buddy. Yeah. Took my bold spot grew that day. That was Rick's fault. <laughs> defensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. Uh, up fourteen. Nothing, nothing, and nothing to do with the DBs coach. Fourteen but. and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then I put my head coach hat on, like, yeah, dang it, Rick. Uh, that was interesting. But it's funny, like, a guy who wasn't even on defense two weeks before started that game um, at DB for us and only played one year of high school ball as a wide receiver, was a wide receiver for us. We were depleted in the secondary, came and started. So it was just interesting, guys, that – and now he's been working this offseason to be a starting corner, you know, and it's just – Random how that works, but now you have these good athletes that got a little bit of taste of it, got to compete, and, you know, I think it's really going to help us. I think it's going to be a super competitive camp. But it's mm-hmm. also interesting that when that long ago that these guys were in that two-point game, 
you know, physically in a tough physical football game and then now have to start training camp. So yeah. that's kind of been interesting making those plans too of not forgetting that they just played football, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. And offensively, you're returning the conference offensive player of the year, Josh Taylor, yes. the quarterback. Um, and he's going to be a sophomore? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Was, um, was he a dual threat quarterback at Western Brown? Is that yes. where he's from, Western he, Brown, that I saw? Yeah. Our last two quarterbacks are from Western Brown. We got pipeline going on. Yeah. How about that? Um, the Josh had an incredible year. Well, he accounted for 2,500 <laughs> yards of offense. In six games. 29 touchdowns in six games. Yeah. He's he's good. And as a defensive coach, and, and you can ask Rick, we loved it. <laughs> We've been super pass heavy, and we've had really good offenses over the years. But him being able to run, that our first win against Franklin uh, in, in week two this spring, he had seven total touchdowns, five rushing. And just seeing that clock tick and watching our quarterback run people over and run for these yards was awesome. And our guys got behind him quick. And he's super passionate. Um, I mean, he is all in. It took no time for our guys to buy in because he works super hard. He does what he says, owns up to what he says. And um, plays with a lot of passion, and and he has an interesting story. He was, um, you know, some of the news outlets, um, you know, talked to him this year, and unfortunately, his dad passed away um, from cancer last year. Mm. Young, terrible, young guy, and um, super sad. And, and they were really close. He was at most visits, and was a great dad who just came to visits basically to watch him because he just loved his son. You know, it was just, um, and so watching him put that on his shoulders. People knew his situation and having that missing your dad going through all this crazy season at a new school, you know, being the starting quarterback, it's a lot of pressure and, and to do it in such a way, not only just on the field and stats, but the way he led our guys and encouraged our guys in tough times was awesome to see. So obviously we're really excited for what he can do. Obviously on the field makes us look like good coaches, but that's one of the guys who it's like, this is the type of guy that we try to recruit and I'm excited to see how, how contagious that can be. Yeah. Also returning skill players, all conference skill players and linemen as well. Yep. Yep. So I think on offense, we graduated two starters. Wow. Um, so a lot coming back from a team then mm -hmm. six games, we averaged oh, yeah. three points. So, um, and in a different way, I mean, we, the quarterback before him threw 130 touchdowns in four years and so, what was his name? I, we talked. That's right. That's yeah. right. And we talked was, about him last year. Yeah, and he was good, really good. Well, with a name like that, it sounds like it. <laughs> doesn't it sound like a quarterback I'm a big name? name guy? Right. Uh, you you get a higher rank on our uh, recruiting process if you have a cool name. So, yeah. especially as a quarterback. Yep. Now, what about defense? So, what do you expect? What are your expectations from that group? Uh, extremely high. Last year, when we were healthy, our defense was humming. I mean, they were playing uh, fast and physical and then in a matter of moments we had either covid stuff and um just injuries you know our, our starting mike linebacker um broke his ankle we had a corner come up and blow up a running back on a swing pass get a concussion oh. all in the same game and then the following week a guy's brother got married and a linebacker and we knew he's going to miss the game uh, because of that well i don't yeah, know if you can blame wedding, that guy right? yeah, yeah right you know, so all of a sudden it's him. like you got three four starters down on a really good defense and then you just <sighs> kind of get thin from there so yeah. and then we had a covid thing right after that and so that was going in those last couple games where 
all of a sudden, and, and we still finished, uh, I think, second in overall defense in the conference. And I think we might have been first in pass um, defense, and it didn't feel that way. But um, but we return every defensive player. Uh, we didn't graduate anybody. And so um, our expectations are extremely high. Mm-hmm. I and, saw and a lot of young of guys that will push, too, that we have some good athletic guys coming in. On defense, you can rotate, too. I mean, we do on offense. But in defense, we play two guys, you know, at most spots. Um, you have to to be fresh, and especially the way offenses are now. Um, but our, our expectations are really high. The defense, a lot of it's because of the returning experience. Mm-hmm. What is it about defense that coaches just love? You know what I mean? <laughs> Some of it you can't you explain. Talk, it's just yeah, uh, You could probably talk defense. But I could talk defense forever. <laughs> and I know it's boring for some people. Nobody wants yeah. to see a All the focus is on offense. And I know that's what's game. exciting. And people say it puts them in the stands. But the true nature of football is defensive football. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. It's that it's that Mike linebacker, that that really good safety, that good cover corner, and that that's what makes football. That's the true spirit of football, in my opinion, is is that defensive mindset. Mm-hmm. Line it up, let's go. I mean, that's that's life. I mean, to me, that's what you try to instill in sports, especially in football. And as defense, it's hey, line it up. I know you got plans. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, let's and, see, see what we could do. And That's like the offense, got. where the quarterback is kind of the quote unquote leader. You know, you've always got that guy on the defense, whether it be a linebacker. I would imagine for the most part. Yep. You know, I, just, I I appreciate good defense. It doesn't bother me. Well, you know, last year during football, when we had all the <laughs> defensive games, just because Correct. the offenses had wasn't synced up. There was no sync. Yeah. What's there was no rhythm or flow because they couldn't touch footballs until you know, two weeks before a game. They couldn't even snap it to each I other. about that. You're right. God forbid you snap a ball to somebody and you had to clean it before you threw it to the guy. I've done it. So, exactly. <laughs> Me too. So, I, I always have appreciated that only because it's like, um, I don't know. You know, defense wins championships. Maybe that's kind of like the mentality, right? You know, but you got to score the points. Sure. But it excites me. One of the things that I always loved about officiating um, – especially early in the game when the, the testosterone is moving and the blood is pumping and that first big hit of the game. I was about to already say And I <laughs> loved, and I am being honest with you, it did not matter to me if it was on the first play or the fifth play. That first big hit, I was howling out there. I didn't care, right? I just wanted to see good football. So, yes. you know, it would be, Whoa. Somebody hit somebody, yeah. please. And, you know, that is, you know, helping that kid up, being like, ooh, you all right? <laughs> You know that that's my style, oh, right? For sure. And that's it's not taunting, and, you know, because the kid would laugh. I mean, he yeah. he just knew that he just got <laughs> knocked out, right? So uh, I've always appreciated that. But as a coach, you could always, whenever I talk to coaches, and even a guy like Eddie, you know, who is as reserved as he is, and he's an offensive guy, there's a little bit of a smile when you start talking about the defense because he knows. True football guys know. Yeah. Okay. Because even ex- our offensive coordinator, he's he's as stereotypical as offensive coordinator as you can get. Mm-hmm. But those big hits or those yep. big moments, he'll be the first one that's like in a kid's face amped up because like that's what it is. That's the core sure. of football is that. That and tenacity I'll use, and that Since toughness. we just talked about Eddie, I'm going to use an example. The former defensive coordinator at Georgetown during the – um, when Eddie played there and, and through you know the mid-2000s when he left to come here to be the head coach, Dave Campbell, just a legend, awesome. And he and I got to talking one day. And this is, look, Dave Campbell's one of the guys that like, he like bends like railroad ties and <laughs> horseshoes. 
I'm being serious. Like I'm being dead serious and like would eat tree bark um, and drink whiskey, right? He's one of them guys, but we got to talking one day and he said, yeah, best recruiting job we ever did was Eddie Everson. I just sat back and watched him put 55 points up every night and it's like, boys, our job's done. Let's just get, let's get three tackles. And let's get the hell out of here. Yes. You know, so it, it, it goes both ways. You know, there's defensive guys. They have appreciate there and they have an appreciation there. It, vice oh, versa. Yeah. It helps. So <laughs> how's your daughter? She's doing good. Yeah. Growing. And I saw you had a starting little. Starting to talk, which is ugh. dangerous. So she gets some sass I, in I got her? To, oh, yeah. I saw I you coming. say that you were in trouble the other day. I got it coming, man. I deserve it somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. You, got I mean, you know how I like to talk. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my own dose here soon. I think I can already already feel it. I look forward to it. But she's running around, and <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's doing good, and and we're fortunate that um, you know college football can be a crazy profession, and we're very fortunate, especially at this point in our lives, being home. We're both from this area. She's from the west side of Cincinnati. I'm obviously from northern Kentucky. And so we're kind of in the middle of both families. She gets to see both sets of grandparents every week, um, stays with them, they babysit, that sort of thing, and and gets to see a lot of other family uh, in the area too. And so it's definitely been a cool year and a half because most of her life has been not a normal football season. So that's kind of been some of the blessing is I've been around a ton more than I would in the heat of football. Um, and so that's definitely been nice, but she's, she's definitely getting wild, man, starting to climb on stuff and nice. All, all sorts of things. And do you have any news you want to share with us? <laughs> the, I was a little scared coming in here. Listen to some of the get, past episodes. I tried man. to get Casey the other day, it's, but I was, I was a little nervous. You got anything you want to say to Casey? Cause I do listen. And it, well, Casey Sorrell, who was just on. Well, he said he listens to every episode, so we'll find out. So I played uh, – I was a big-time basketball star at Simon Kent, if mm-hmm. you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking Pepsi on the bench. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> I remember tryouts. I, I decided, like, the day football ended to go out for the basketball team. So I texted Coach Steiner, and he said, yeah, you know, and me and another guy, uh, football guy, went out for the team. And we tried out, like, in the morning. First off, I missed – the first workout because there was a train stopped and I couldn't get out of my road. And, is that uh, not the most Walton Steiner, <laughs> uh, Independent Station Coach Steiner and I live out in the same area and yeah. he saw the stop train. He called me like, I assume you're behind that. Like, yeah, I'm over here. But anyway, at the tryout, I made zero baskets in a one hour tryout. I mean, just nothing. I was not ready for basketball at all. And so I was, I'm sure he was hoping for some kind of glimpse of something. And I played, uh, you know, AU ball and stuff before, but he, um, he was like, "All right, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the team. You know, we need some some leadership. We have some good young guys I want to build into. His, uh, Casey was one, and the other kid was um, Cody Chambers. Oh yeah. So two young, promising guys. Where it's like, all right, get these kids in the weight room. You know, help us practice, help us lead. You're a good leader, that kind of thing. You know, I probably not gonna help us in basketball, but." Um, but anyway, Casey apparently still works out a lot and whatever. So I obviously, you know, showed him the reins and um, have everything to do with any success he's ever had. So you helped him become a better <laughs> offensive player because you just fouled the shit out of him. Is that pretty oh, I'm much sure. It? Actually, I'm a little afraid for him. He could probably tell you more stories about me than I can about him. But um, yeah, I was I I was the physical guy at, at practice, and in Casey sometimes as the young guy was at the wrong end of that everybody needs um, it sometimes though i'm gonna be honest with you more in the last couple of years that kind of freaks me out we used to have those kids and now because i've seen it so much you can see those 
plays coming. And and maybe it's a softness. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but <laughs> I'm always like, easy. I yell, easy, easy, <laughs> because you see it coming. It's always like on a breakaway layup, you know, and, and the guys, Take he looks off. like what, what we call it, like um, like an officiating. You could always tell when the kid's going to go block somebody in the back or, or, you know, hit them illegally. We used to call it, he's chasing the guy with the brick. Like he's going to come and just bash the side of his head in. You can see yes. that happen in a basketball. And the last thing I want to do is lose any player because of a, a stupid and dirty play at practice. <laughs> Correct. And every once in a while, I'll look at an assistant and be like, you think I should stop doing that? And they're like, no. Right? Because, like, a, there's a, I think it's that's, probably best. It's my era, right? Because part of it's like, hey, man, no blood, no foul. We got a kid here now, Mitchell Minor. He, he, he would rather he would rather break his neck than you score on him in, some, in a situation like that. And so you see it happening. Like, he's like a heat seeking missile and you're screaming. And, like, maybe at the last second, he'll give up. But if not, he's still going to foul. You know, he's going to foul the guy. <laughs> I, just I know the up. type. It's a pride. Um, but it's been cool. I'm super happy for Casey. He's going to do an he incredible will. job. Yeah. And he's obviously a, a, a great person and will be um, – I think he'll do a really good job really fast. And uh, mostly the impact. He's got the right intentions and the right work to go with it. So I'm definitely excited for him. That was yeah. a good episode too. No, it was. It was. Um, what is this Tiger Woods story? I don't know if you told it the last <laughs> time, but – Joe Dan. It wasn't last time. It was Joe Dan between now and then. Okay. Joe Dan. My last had, time uh, on here was me during one him. of the football shows when you and Joe, who I thought was my friend, uh, were in here. And this spring, in our only spring season ever, mm-hmm. one of two programs, college programs in the area that played spring football. So, you know, I don't know what else Joe was doing this spring. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. And he was supposed to come over and hang out and, you know, be curious uh, about our program and show the local area what was going on with our program. And he shot me a text before he was supposed to come over and said, hey, you know, with this Tiger Woods accident, I got to go on TV and, um, you know, I can't can't make it over and all that. And I I said, I get it, man. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is obviously extremely important compared to me, and I, I will never forget it. So I didn't realize that the Tiger Woods accident, the Tiger Woods accident, would have um, relevance <laughs> on the Fox 19. He said something about Tiger Woods, and I think my, t- I could look it up. I think my text said, hop greater than Tiger Woods. And then, you know. Yeah, Joe sucks. <laughs> That's so a, I'll never forget excuse. it, and I've been waiting for him to come back since. And well, hopefully this will. It. We should have yeah. like a day, a daily interview at this point. But yeah, right. yeah, and not, none of those Zoom, none of that, <laughs> no more of those Zoom. Like you did good on the Zoom call uh, interview, but uh, let's get out, let's get away from that. You had mentioned that before when you do the um, the, the walkthroughs with the recruits. I'm the same way with the podcast. We started it during COVID. I didn't want it to not be a face-to-face. I'm a conversationalist by nature and, and extroverted, but I need to be able to read your body language because there are some questions or uh, we might be on a topic that I can see that by pushing it, it's going to probably upset somebody or um, make them emotional or whatever. You could be right. anything. So I, on the phone, it's so hard to get there, – there's just – or even on the internet uh, or through like the zoom and that um, just the cadence of it. It's just hard. Like most of the time today where 
I could tell you were wrapping up and I know that you were wrapping up and that I could start. We're on the phone or on that. It's like, there's that error that, that like four or five, six seconds yes. of error. A year of zoom with a one-year-old was also oh, a nightmare. Yeah. I can just, did you have know. any of those, um, like you see them on YouTube, like where the people, like the news people would be doing somebody runs and their, in. And their kid runs in or their dog. Or I always their cat. gave a warning and it depends with our guys. I don't even warn them if it's our coaches, they just know the deal. But with recruiting or whatever, I'm like, just to let you know, a lot of things could happen between now and the end of this. Yeah. But our staff did over 500 Zoom visits last year. Wow. So you get used to it. But I agree, it's totally different. Because as soon as we could get someone on campus, you're like, oh, yeah. It's so much different to read Very people much. and talk to people and just be in person. Um, but, yeah, I'm still waiting on Joe to, to follow up. We'll make a call. He texted me a week or two ago about something, and I'm like – you know, I don't know who this is. So, who is this? <laughs> who is this? New phone. Who New is phone. This? Who is this? <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you. Wishing you guys health and luck in the next next you know three or four months. Yeah, what do you guys go through it. mid uh, mid November and then postseason? Yep. Yes, mm. sir. Looking forward. Be to here it. before you know it. I hope so. I hope we have to get you to come on at the end and have a national championship podcast. I hope would so. be nice, right? I'll be ready. I could be part of that. <laughs> sure. So, well, you're the best. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Mount St. Joe football coach, Tyler Hopperton. We'll see you guys next time. Oh, 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 o